Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 289. I've got some great news. You've got about a week to go before your Royal Caribbean cruise, and that means your vacation will be starting soon. But what should you be doing now to prepare for it? When you plan a cruise, there are many details to keep track of. Shore excursions, dinner reservations, the right gear to have, getting to the port. But it all comes to a head in the exciting, and hopefully not panicked, hours before the cruise begins. Whether you're making final tweaks to what's in the suitcase or bravely starting from scratch, here are some important things every cruiser should do to ensure their Royal Caribbean cruise goes off without a hitch. Here we go. As I was preparing for this week's podcast episode, I have a cruise coming up here in a couple of days, and of course, as you might imagine, I'm very excited about it, and as you also might imagine, it's really the topic du jour in this household. And as such, in the days leading up to our cruise, inevitably we start going through, I think, what a lot of people do, which is that, oh man, we got a couple days before our cruise, it's exciting, but we've also got to figure out what we're going to be doing to get ready for that cruise, make sure we've got everything covered. The nature of the last couple days before your cruise goes from a situation in which you had, you know, months and weeks and to plan to all of a sudden, oh geez, I forgot to get all this stuff or what am I forgetting, right? And so this week's episode is really dedicated towards looking at what you can be doing those last couple of days, that week leading up to your Royal Caribbean cruise. And number one thing, uh, let's start with the most obvious and work to some things maybe not so obvious, and that is to complete your online check. And if you've not done so already, you definitely want to go into Royal Caribbean's website and complete the online check. And now, you don't have to do it. Some people ask me, what if I don't do it? What if I forget to do it? It's not the end of the world. It just means more time at the pier rather than you spending you know, more time on board the ship or just getting closer to getting on board necessarily. But what the online check-in does is it completes that paperwork that you're going to need not only to... Uh, get yourself on board, but also into the port and just makes everything faster. So definitely you want to complete that online check-in to expedite your cruise boarding procedure. And you'll also need a copy of everyone's documentation, passports or birth certificates, travel plans, and a credit card to store for incidental charges. And be sure to make very certain you do this at least three days prior to your sailing. I know this episode is about you know, what to do the last week, but you really want to do this. You should be doing this before the week before your cruise. But if you are reaching that week before your cruise, make sure you've done this and make sure you do at least three days prior to your sailing. Now, again, if you fail to do this in time, know it's on the end of the world. Yes, you'll still be able to go on a cruise. It's just going to require some extra waiting and lines and forms to fill out later in the port. So, you know, definitely do that in advance. And Actually, what I would also add is, I know this is more about what we're doing the week before, but you also want to check for your when your passports expire. If you've got travel documentation that has an expiration date to it, whether it's a passport, driver's license, whatever, always take it. In fact, when you're listening to this episode, it might not be a bad idea to hit the pause button and go check on it now just to be sure because you know it's very easy to lose track of that and then, oops, you don't want to be at the port and realize that there's a problem there. So uh, there you go. So there's, there's number one. Also, while we're talking about that, of course, you also want to print out your set sail pass and luggage tax. Now, if you're a lot like us, you completed that online check-in, you know, many weeks ago. But printing it, eh, that's something you can do later on. Or a lot of people may say, oh, I'll print it, but I'm going to go to work and print it because it's somebody else's ink I can use, right? Uh, so if you're going to print your set sail pass and your luggage tags, make sure, number one, your online check-in process is finished. And number two, you take an opportunity to print it all out. Again, make sure you do this at least a couple days before your sailing because Royal Caribbean will close out some of this stuff a lot closer to your sail date. So don't wait for the night before, in other words. Uh, print out those luggage tags. Uh, keep in mind, though, for the luggage tags, to print out as many copies as you may need. So you're only going to get, like, you know, when you go to the website, you're going to see, like, one luggage tag. It's not going to 
generate you know 10 of them so just make sure you print out you know 10 copies or five copies whatever you happen to need and it, here's a good tip by the way save a copy of your luggage tags and set cell pass as a pdf on your computer in case you need it later because inevitably you know what happens right you print it out seven days before like a good little boy or girl and then what happens right somebody spills coffee on it the, the cat eats it i don't know what happened the kids decide to make paper airplanes regardless of the reason or maybe you just need some extra luggage tags if you have a copy of it, that way you're guarding against if Royal Caribbean closes down the ability for you to print out more or who knows what happens, right? There's a thousand and one technical issues that could possibly happen. So there's some easy ones to do. Now let's move on to some more less obvious things, I think. Number one, check the weather. You know, forecasting the weather a week out is it's not as precise as I'd like it to be, but it probably is the point in which you should start looking at the weather to get an idea of what to expect. And you really should focus mostly on the temperatures rather than rain forecasts or anything like that because you know what in my experience look they can barely predict the weather for tomorrow let alone a week from now so don't get too hung up on the fact that it's supposed to be raining or if it's any other precipitation in the in the forecast it can change considerably and i wouldn't necessarily bet money on anything but in the generally speaking the temperature should be in the ballparks of what you should know Keep in mind that in the Caribbean and other tropical areas you may be visiting, rain is often in the forecast, but that does not mean it's going to rain every day or even at all. The tropics are notorious for pop-up showers, which often last minutes rather than hours. Moreover, a lot of the islands don't actually have radar stations. They rely on just general forecasting models and things of that nature. So, again, don't take it as gospel. Don't assume, oh gosh, it's going to rain on Cozumel Day. Our, our day is ruined. Don't be like those people. Just you know, look at the temperatures, have an idea of what to expect, and that's really the the, the name of the game when it, com- when it comes to checking the weather. Certainly keep an eye on it as you progress through the week. You know, look for any fronts that are coming through. Sometimes you may be looking at the weather on a week out, and it looks like it'll be, you know, in the low 80s, and all of a sudden it goes down to the high 60s or high 80s. You know, you got major shifts like that. So packing-wise, you know, you want to start looking at that. And speaking of packing, you should at least start thinking about packing. You know, there's so many mantras and strategies when it comes to packing. I personally am a last minute packer. I pack the night before. I just, I don't, I can't do the like multiple days before packing. I just forget what I did the day before that. And then I'm like, ah, and I end up spending more time going over what I already packed to get myself reacclimated with it. Uh, so it's that short-term memory loss, whatever you want to call it. But you want to at least get a plan for when you're going to pack, at the very least. I mean, there's nothing wrong with packing in the last minute, as, again, I'm a last-minute packer. But the bottom line is you want to have some sort of an idea in your mind of what you're going to do. Uh, packing one week out, uh, you know, maybe a little more premature, but allows you at least to get make sure your luggage is good to go. And that's, that's a really good step, right? Making sure that all that luggage you have there didn't generate any rips, holes, or tears from the last sailing. And you might also want to think about what clothing and outfits you want to bring with you And this may generate also some memories of things like, oh, yeah, I meant to buy a new pair of shoes or a new jacket or whatever the case may be. You know, again, while you still have time, maybe order something off Amazon or head down to your local shop and, and, you know, do some more shopping there. But really, if there's anything you can pack now, breaking up the packing process can make it easier, certainly. And I mean, look, your your suit, your nice dresses, you're probably not wearing that in the next couple of days. But also maybe you want to also plan your laundry schedule and have an idea of, oh, I want to be able to wear, you know, this outfit, this outfit, and this outfit, and this outfit. So let's start, you know, putting this to the side so that way I'm not wearing it during the week or even with the kids, right? They're going to always pick out the clothes they want that you want them to wear on the cruise, and then that means last-minute laundry. So there you go. Also, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but it is important. Buy anything you've been putting off. This is really the last point in which you can really do this. There always seems to be something they've been meaning to buy for your cruise, and now is the time to do it before it's too late. As your cruise gets closer and closer, you'll have less time and seemingly more things to get done. So get any shopping out of the way now so you can keep those last days 
stress-free or less stress-free. And certainly, if you are buying something online, because inevitably we're looking at buying things that have you know two, three-day shipping. Again, a week before you have enough time to get that in there. You know, last couple of days, that last you know seventy-two hours or so, a little more dicey, and you don't want to be paying crazy prices for shipping, or you know, lamenting the fact that you're not going to get what you really wanted to get on the sailing. So again, take advantage of the buy anything you wanted to do uh, when you get to that week off. Also an important one, something I always forget to do until like literally probably the night before the cruise, which is get cash or and or exchange money. When you're on your cruise, you're going to need cash, probably more than you usually carry with you, inevitably for things like shore excursions, tipping quarter, porters, and other common situations that occur while traveling, right? I mean, inevitably, you can't use your credit card for everything, and you're going to need cash. So you're definitely going to want to make sure you bring some cash with you. So that means going to the bank, going to the ATM, and getting a fair amount. Now, how much to get? Oh, boy, I'm not, I, I can't tell you that. That's hard to tell because that's based on, obviously, the size of your family, the, the length of your cruise, where you're going. Certain places are more cash-friendly than others or credit card-friendly than others, I should probably say. But you should have, I would say, at the very least, I cannot imagine any cruise in which you're going to without at least a couple hundred dollars in your pocket to bring with you. Uh, and if you are going to a place like Cuba or some other foreign countries that U.S. dollars are not the go-to place currency for it, then definitely look at exchanging your money now. Uh, you know, U.S. dollars are fine to use in the Caribbean. So if you're going to Cozumel... Grand Cayman, the Bahamas, uh, any of the Virgin Islands. I mean, don't worry about this at all, really. It's other than Cuba, everywhere it takes U.S. dollars. But outside of that, you know, you may want to look at exchanging your money for local currency and ahead of time. And, of course, this gives you an opportunity to shop around for a good exchange rates rather than taking whatever exchange rate you're subject to during the cruise. And the other thing you want to do, of course, is stop your mail. This is something also that I'm, I remember this. My wife is really good at remembering this. I'm always terrible at this. But you can stop your mail. Make sure that the post office holds any mail that you have so that way you don't have you know mail exploding from your mailbox as you go by. Of course, you can also just have a friend pick it up for you if that works for you as well. But you can also stop your mail uh, online now via the U.S. Postal Office website. So if you're a U.S. resident, it's a lot easier than the old days. I remember my parents used to have to go down to the post office and wait in line and make the request. But anyway, you can do that all very easily. But make sure you take advantage of doing that. That's a really important thing to do uh, on there. Also, a lot of people like ch- packing lists or just like pre-planning lists. There's a lot of them that are out there. I'm not a list person personally, but I'll tell – person personally. But anyway, I'll tell you that I think that packing lists do have a place in, in that order. My wife loves using them. Whatever one you have, whatever one you want to use – Definitely check that out because I think that's a really good idea uh, for making sure that you've got everything on there. And otherwise, the last thing, honestly, is sleep. It's really important, especially before your first day. And this is really hard, actually, is to get some decent sleep the night before your cruise. I mean, if you're anything like me, this is much easier said than done. I often have a joke when we do a Facebook Live video or a Periscope video or a YouTube Live video in which you know we're, we're doing some Q&A with the folks that are watching and someone will inevitably say, hey, I'm going on a cruise tomorrow. And my response is always, good luck sleeping tonight because I, I can never sleep well the night before a cruise. In fact, my strategy lately, I don't recommend this, but my strategy lately for getting a good night's sleep before the, the night before the cruise is the two nights before the cruise to stay up really late and have a terrible night's sleep in the sense of like not getting enough sleep. And then that way, the night before the cruise, despite all the excitement, I am then now pumped for I'm, – I'm, despite all my being pumped, I'm so tired and exhausted that I do sleep well the night before the cruise. Now, maybe you're not quite the crazy, overindulged 12-year-old inside of an older man's body uh, situation that I have, but definitely getting a good night's sleep, resting up. Because the first day of your cruise, there is a ton happening. The adrenaline is going to be flowing. You're going to be having an awesome time. But, uh, you know, you also want to make sure you can take advantage of it. And you're not going to be running on empty or, you know, just 
basically just sputtering out out of energy. So definitely getting a good night's sleep. So there you go. Some important things to do a week before your Royal Caribbean cruise. Hopefully these things will help you have a great start to your cruise. And no, I don't have any tips for how to make those last couple of days before your cruise go any faster. If anyone ever figures that out outside of a time machine, I would love to know that. Alrighty, it's time to answer your listener emails. Of course, this is the part of the episode in which I go right to the Royal Caribbean blog inbox, dive deep, and answer some questions that you have sent me. And of course, you can always send me your emails, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Kristen Cook, who writes, since my parents are both now retired, they'll be taking five to six cruises a year. They're looking into annual travel insurance. You mentioned on episode 264 that you use annual travel insurance. Which company are you using for your insurance? Thanks for all your wonderful information. Chris, thank you for the email. I actually use Allianz Travel Insurance. They have an annual plan that seems reasonable for what I'm looking for. And uh, again, what I always recommend to anybody is don't just assume because I bought it, it's a good idea. Travel insurance policies are, like any insurance policy, are very specific, and you have to look into what they cover, what they don't cover, and of course, what's important to you know your parents in this case, right? Uh, certainly, if you are cruising more than probably two or three times a year, a annual travel insurance plan can make a lot more financial sense than getting just you know a specific travel insurance plan to cover each particular trip. Uh, so something to consider and look into. Obviously, the cost is higher overall, but you know, in, in you know, one time I should say not overall, but. It's something to look into, and I've been doing that the last two years, I think, now. And, um, you know, it it, it's, makes me, helps me sleep at night, at the very least. Next, we have an email from Scott, who writes, Hi, Matt. I've been listening to your podcast for the last few months as I prepare for our first Royal Caribbean cruise on Harmony of the Seas this June. We'll be stopping in St. Martin, St. Thomas, and Perfect Day Coco Cay. We're big Disney nerds since 1993 and, uh, and Disney Vacation Club members. Our only previous cruise experience was a four-nighter on the Disney Wonder in 2007 when our kids were six months and six years old. Since we go to Disney World at least once a year, we try to mix up our vacations. Naturally, I tried to book our upcoming cruise on Disney, and the sticker shock was too much even for Disney veterans like us. I spoke with a friend who suggested I look at Royal Caribbean, and the same balcony itinerary was more than $4,000 cheaper on Harmony of the Seas, so... Here we are. Your podcast and blog have been a tremendous help as we prepare. In regards to episode 285 and the discussion about rude people who reserve pool chairs with towels, I wanted to share you with how I handle that situation. The pools at Disney resorts are plagued by the same problem. If I get back to the pool deck and see a set of chairs with no obvious signs of life and just a towel set there, I will look around, hold up the towel, giving someone who may be near a chance to claim ownership. When no response is given, these towels get sent to the towel returned by one of us, and we, we then occupy those chairs. Only one time has someone said anything to me, and all I do is point to the sign saying not to reserve chairs with towels. Most people realize they were in the wrong and don't like the attention when getting called out. Sort of like the stories you hear of drug dealers calling the cops when their stash gets stolen. Towel reservers can't really go to the pool management to complain because they were in the wrong. I know most people won't do as I do, but I'm very confident bigger guy and can tend to intimidate some folks. So just know there are some of us who fight back against the scourge of the pool reservers. Scott, thank you for the email. I certainly don't recommend, and Scott, I understand where you're coming from. I don't personally recommend what Scott is doing only because two reasons. Number one, and Scott, I'm not saying you're in the wrong, but you're not the towel police either. It's not your job to do it. It's the management's job to do that. And number two, I, I, I can't even imagine getting into a confrontation with someone about it. It's just not worth ruining your vacation over. Um, uh, so that's the reason I don't recommend doing it. I'm not saying what Scott is doing is wrong. I'm not saying that what he sh- what he's doing shouldn't be done. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, putting any judgment on, what, on Scott's actions. I just don't want to make this seem like I'm recommending everybody take matters into their own hands and go Batman on the 
towel uh, people, people who, you know, the chair hogs, right? Um, I certainly understand where Scott's and others come from and the frustration with it. But again, I really feel this, even if it means I don't get a chair by the pool and I don't know, I, even I get frustrated with it sometimes. At the end of the day, it's real Kirby's job to do it, not mine. And I'm not putting my vacation at risk because of, you know, you know what happens, right? People, who knows? I, I just don't even want to go down that path. I certainly don't recommend it for others. At any rate, Scott, thank you for the email. I do appreciate your uh, your email, and I'm glad you came over to the Royal Caribbean side of things. Our next email comes to us from uh, Matt Morrow. Right? Virgin Cruises, you're heading into Galveston on Liberty this season early April. Your YouTube and podcast have been an amazing wealth of information. I'm doing lots of homework to make this the most enjoyable cruise yet. In that thought, I found excursion packages with Costco and links to good information on TripAdvisor. Just haven't heard them mentioned uh, much. Had other thoughts, but they escape me now. Thanks for, uh, for the excitement and everything you do. Another Matt from Dallas, Texas. Oh, and just remember that AT&T Wireless, if you have an unlimited plan, you can add the International Daily Plan well ahead of your cruise and only be charged for the days you use it. Bon voyage. Matt, thank you for the email, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. Hope you have an awesome cruise on Liberty of the Seas. Next, we have an email from Barry Ballard. It's, in 2017, my wife and I went on a cruise for our 10th anniversary. We chose a seven-night cruise on Harmony of the Seas. We absolutely loved it. We loved it so much, I immediately started gauging my friend's interest in doing a group cruise. I got a lot of interest in the idea and started looking towards the year 2021 for our group cruise. Now, as we're waiting for new cruises to be posted for our desired dates, I realize that 2021 is just too far away. We weren't planning on doing any traveling this year, but listening to your podcast got my curiosity going. I took a look, found a cruise that would fit uh, our schedule and budget perfectly and decided to YOLO book it. We're now scheduled to sail to Bermuda on a five-night cruise on board Anthem of the Seas in October. We can't wait. After booking, we've realized that this cruise has an overnight stay in Bermuda. What are the must-do things we should do while we're there, both on the day and at night? And also, is there a specific curfew or time we need to be back on the ship? Thanks for all you do, and we hope to one day join you on a RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com group cruise. Thanks, big homie. <laughs> Barry, thanks for the email, dude. Bermuda is amazing, and doing it overnight there is really fun. I would tell you there's like two things I always recommend for folks to do in Bermuda. Number one, you got to go to Horseshoe Bay Beach. That's really important. A great spot. It's a great beach. It's the like Pink Sand Beach. It's amazing. You you won't regret that one. Uh, number two, for at night, I would definitely tell you uh, go to have dinner in town. There's two major cities in Bermuda. There's Hamilton and St. George. Hamilton's a lot closer. You can get ferry rides to Hamilton or St. George from the dockyard area, which is where your ship will dock. I would recommend going to Hamilton for dinner. I think St. George is more of a you know historical sightseeing kind of place. But Hamilton's great for that. So definitely do dinner uh, in, in the city. I think that's a lot of fun. Maybe have some drinks. And then make sure you have plans for the way back. There is no curfew uh, when you're doing it overnight. It's basically just a floating hotel. So you can come and go as you please. Yes, you can get off the ship at 3 a.m. or come back at 3 a.m. or whatever you want to do. Uh, but there is no curfew. So enjoy your time there. It's a really cool experience when you have that kind of luxury, if you will, of being able to enjoy all that time on board. It really does make a nice thing there. Next, we have an email from Sean and Donna from Brisbane, Australia. Listening to today's episode, number 286, all about cruising in Australia. Next year, we're doing a round-Australia cruise for 34 nights. Woohoo! Consisting of two cruises back-to-back on ratings of the seas. Unfortunately, it does mean no cruising this year so that we have the money and time off available for the trip, but we know it'll be well worth it. Loved listening to Pippa tell about some of the sites that she recommends and interesting how close it was to some of the things we were looking forward to. So here's what we've got planned out so far. Number one. Fly into Sydney a few days before the cruise. Number two, Cairns. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. We'll be doing the sky rail up into the rainforest and then the rail trip back down through the mountains. 
Darwin, looking at the war tours and some of the amazing seafood. Bali, arranging a local tour guide for a real experience and not the tourist spots. Perth, hoping to be able to get over to the Quakas. Just depends on time available as this is is this change over being change over between the cruises. Um, Adelaide, uh, definitely some wine and food visits. Melbourne, some of the best coffee and pastries you'll ever taste. Hobart, a boat trip up to Mona Art Gallery. And then New Zealand, amazing scenery and sights, too many to describe. Recruits in New Zealand previously and loved it. And to answer some of the questions you asked to Pippa, best food, OMG, you name it, we have it. Amazing seafood, mud crabs and bugs are the sweetest that you can taste. I don't know what that means. Wines of all varieties plus whiskey, rum, gin are world class. Multicultural taste, true curries, Asian. Every culture is here. The barbecue of meats is much more of a favorite here as it is in the States. Best restaurant in Sydney, too many to list, and definitely not a fan of Outback Steakhouse. Hope that helps you also cruise down under like your folks. You won't be disappointed. Perhaps a down under group cruise. Thanks and hope to meet you at some point. Well, Sean, Don, thank you for the great information there. I love hearing personalized recommendations like that. And uh, I'm glad to hear that um, perhaps that the Outback Steakhouse is not the best place to eat. <laughs> is there even does Outback even exist in, in Australia? That's a better question. I assume it does, but I don't know. Next, we have an email from Monica Salinas. Who writes, Hi, Monica. My husband and I are going on our first cruise. And I have a question. I'm hoping you can answer it. I purchased the first night done right on Royal Caribbean, but I really don't know what it is. <laughs> Help! Also, even the excursion book for Roatan, but where do we get the information on where to meet? We don't know anything about cruising. I'm going to leave on February 17th on Liberty of the Seas. Monica, thank you so much for the email. So, first night done right is basically an opportunity to purchase a, or you purchased rather, a specialty restaurant in which you're going to be able to eat there on a specialty restaurant on the first night, but you're not going to be able to pick which one until you get on board the ship, Monica. So basically what Royal Caribbean is saying, we're going to give you a discount on the specialty restaurant meal, but in exchange, you have to wait to book it on board, which means that you're subject to whatever availability is left over once you get on board. And don't worry too much about that, Monica. There'll be plenty of availability. If, you know, if you're someone who's like, well, I really need to eat at 6 p.m. at Chop's Grill, and if it's anything but 6 p.m. or Chop's Grill, I'll be disappointed. Well, then you should cancel the first night done right and just make an outright reservation on your own. But if you have some flexibility or you're a little less and you're more ambivalent, I should I should say, about where you eat or what time, then it's a great idea because it will save you a ton of money. So basically what you want to do is once you get on board the ship, book your reservation, and then um, you know, you'll be all set. Just do it on day one as soon as you get on board, really. That way you can take care of it and then enjoy the rest of your cruise. And the uh, excursion book for Roatan, any excursion you book through Royal Caribbean, you will be getting, you will get in your stateroom a ticket with information on what time and where to meet. So Royal Caribbean will let you know once you're on board the ship, you'll get tickets in your stateroom and it will list, you know, meet this, tickets for every single person in the group and then it'll say meet here at this time, at this location, easy peasy, uh, on your own, pretty pretty simple. If you're booked an excursion uh, on your own, like a third party excursion, well then you'll need to get with the tour operator as to, you know, where to meet. Almost always you're meeting somewhere in the port area and they're pretty clear usually about where the location uh, is and what time it is. So hopefully that answers your email there, Monica. And our next email is from uh, Steve, who writes, I recently discovered your podcast program. Great info. Keep up the good work. We're big fans of Royal Caribbean. We've sailed on many of their Oasis-class ships. Our kids look forward to our cruise every year. We're going back on a learn in a few weeks, and we booked an ocean view balcony. I've been receiving emails from Royal Caribbean about bidding to upgrade our room to a suite. Do you have any insight into this program? Any strategy? It says we can bid for several different suites. For example, we can bid on a one-room 
one bedroom grand suite class starting at $500 per person. Is it worth it? P.S. Did you know that Roker will offer a $100 onboard credit if you're a shareholder of their stock? It depends on your discounts. You may have an existing reservation, but I would encourage anyone who owns stock to ask for this credit. Steve, thank you for the email. Actually, I am aware of the shareholder credit. The problem with the shareholder credit, Steve, as you pointed out, is it's virtually incombinable with any other promotion that's out there. So in, in practice, it rarely ever gets used because other discounts are almost always more lucrative. And as a result, then most people, don't, if you're going to pick one, you're going to pick the more lucrative one. So the shareholder discount is largely, I don't want to say useless, but unused at the very least. Now, in terms of the of Royal Up program, which is the bidding for upgrades, it's it's a new program. Uh, it can absolutely save you money on doing that. But keep in mind, Steve, that it doesn't mean because you got that email, there actually is availability for it. It's more of a backup for Royal Caribbean. What Royal Caribbean is basically saying is, hypothetically, if there was an upgrade available for you, how much would you be willing to pay for it? And what strategy to give for it? Dude, that's like, you know, it's it's a blind auction, basically. You're, you're bidding on something you have no idea what anyone else is bidding for. It's not like eBay where you can see where the going rate is. Really, you make the the best strategy is to make the to make the best offer you are comfortable with financially and go for it. I would argue, Steve, you're better off just looking at what's available right now to book. And if you are in, if you're like, look, I really want to upgrade, I would love to go in that room, then your best strategy, honestly, is to skip the program and go straight to just upgrading your room by going and changing your reservation. Now, of course, that may not be financially viable. But it's something to at least keep an eye on as your cruise progresses and as you get closer and closer to your cruise. Sometimes price changes do occur, not all the time. But, you know, things happen, right? Maybe you get a bonus at work. Perhaps the, your, your tax return comes back to you. There's a lot of different opportunities for you, perhaps, that you financially your situation may have changed and you want to change that. But the Royal Up program is just, it does happen. It, people do get upgrades. It's just, you know, it, it, there's a bit of a guessing game to it. And Royal Queen keeps it purposely vague because they you know they just want to see what people are willing to pay and again moreover it's not to say just because you get the email there are availability in a lot of cases what royal caribbean is doing is also i I use the word hypothetically because they basically use this as a way that if someone cancels at the last minute or there is a room that goes unsold they have the opportunity to go back into this program and get people to you know essentially pay and commit already to upgrading and paying more money whereas in the old days they'd kind of be stuck with the room to some extent either trying to sell at the very last minute or probably, you know, either or it goes unused or they give it away as sort of a free upgrade, which, you know, obviously as a company, they're not looking to do. So yeah, it's, it's a benefit to them as well. So, um, you know, I think it's something fun to, you know, if you've got some extra money and you wouldn't mind doing it, sure. There's nothing wrong with you. you got nothing to lose by doing it other than money. And even at the suggested rate, which is obviously the base rate, you know, you could bid more than that. I mean, look, if you're the person who bids on it and there is a room available, hey, you'll, you'll score a sweet deal. But I wouldn't really hold your breath on about either way. All right, next, uh, next email is from Kurt, who writes, Hi, my name is Kurt from Southern California. I've been listening to your podcast for the past couple of months and learned so much about the world of cruising. Thanks for such, just such an amazing resource. Anyway, I'm writing you because I'm currently engaged in getting married next month, and we'll be going on a honeymoon cruise in June. It'll be both of us cruising for the first time. My fiance and I both work in the public school system, so we'll be going on an Alaska cruise on Ovation of the Seas this June after school ends. We got a great rate on our room. We booked last August, so the prices were pretty good. Anyway, I've been periodically checking in on the cruise planner to see what deals there are on drink packages, spa packages, and short excursions for our trip. Are spa packages worth it? We were thinking about getting the week-long day pass, but it's only available to book on board the ship. We'll probably go for the virgin drink packages and just pay for the occasional alcoholic beverage on the ship. My fiance is not much of a drinker, but she loves tea. And I realistically only see myself having maybe one or two drinks a day. I know the podcast primarily focuses on tropical locations, but I was wondering if you or the community could give any feedback as to fun things to do in Alaska. 
My fiance and I are in our mid to late 20s, and the Quantum Clashes will definitely keep us busy and entertained. We're both foodie and mild adventurers, so you won't you won't see us on the rock climbing glaciers, but we're definitely looking for a good meal, beer, and some moderate physical activity. Also, I wanted to ask if you have any recommendations on the key. I believe it's Royal Caribbean's VIP treatment program. Uh, at $20 per day, it doesn't sound too outrageous, but I'm not sure I should bite the bullet on it. Lastly, as a honeymooning couple, do you have any events or things on board on or off the ship that would be memorable or romantic? Does Royal Caribbean have any special packages to commemorate a celebration like this? Sorry for the long email. You can answer as many or a few questions you feel comfortable. Any information would be great. Well, Kurt, first of all, congratulations, dude. That's awesome news. You're getting married and you're going to celebrate with your honeymoon on a cruise. So Alaska, um, a couple things, Kurt. Uh, we did post recently on our YouTube channel a video about some uh, the cruising mistakes with Alaska. You want to check that one out. But let me go through some of your ideas here that you mentioned uh, going on this cruise. So number one is the you asked about the spa packages. Are they worth it? Sure. I mean, you're you know they're spa packages. They're by definition they're a splurge. So it's not like you know it's necessarily a huge value. You know you're going to Alaska. That's the issue because if you're in the Caribbean, I would tell you, well, Kurt. In the Caribbean, a lot of times at the ports you visit, you'll be able to get massages or spa treatments for a lot cheaper on shore. But this is Alaska, and everything's more expensive in Alaska. So I would definitely say the reason to pre-book it online is it'll lock you in with the time. And uh, it offers you an option to you know enjoy some of the things that are on there. There will be specials on board the ship uh, in the spa itself. But you know those tend to be more combo deals, the specials, rather than the pricing you see online. And the nice thing about booking it online now is that you pay for it now. And that breaks up the total cost of the cruise vacation. So, um, you know, it, the, what you're talking about with the with the thermal spa pass is a great idea. I think that's fine. Wait till you book, book on board the ship. That's totally cool. You know, it, the reason to book a treatment online now is if you know you want to do, like, obviously a, a, a certain type of massage or a facial or you know, some sort of other uh, treatment that the spa offers. But... No, I mean, otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's just by definition, it's like, are you looking to indulge or not? That's kind of how it boils down to. In terms of uh, things to do, I believe you're doing the same itinerary I did recently. In Juneau, I would say for you, Mendenhall Glacier Park. That's an awesome place. Uh, all you need to do, you don't have to book any excursion, just book a taxi. So when you get off the ship, hop, there's plenty of taxis. Ask to go to Mendenhall Glacier State Park. Again, when you go to the state park, you don't actually go on the glacier, which you said is fine with you anyway. But there's lots of great trails, and I'm not I'm not a hiker at all. I'm barely I barely venture outdoors. But I'll tell you that uh, it's very easy to, to navigate, uh, and a lot of fun. There's a d- number of different trails. It's really cool. I think it's exactly what you're looking for. In terms of Skagway, I would definitely book an excursion for here. You've got a lot of different choices for you. Definitely lean heavily on Royal Caribbean's website. What you find there on the cruise planner are some good choices. I did a Humvee tour in Skagway, which is pretty darn cool. Um, but I would say that there's some other really compelling choices as well. You could go on the, uh, there's a train tour. Uh, there's an opportunity to go uh, meet puppies, which maybe your fiance or you really enjoy. I would say the one thing I've been told from a lot of people to avoid in Alaska, shore excursion wise, is the panning for gold thing. It seems more of a tourist trap than anything else. But really, you're going to find there's a ton of things to do, and some of them are very expensive. But, you know, this is an opportunity for you to really kind of, you know, create a lot of memories for yourself. And it's hard to say if you'll be going back anytime soon. But if you are looking to really go for all for it, definitely take a helicopter tour or a uh, airplane to the one at the top of the glaciers. That would be incredible, although it would also be incredibly expensive. And lastly, you asked about the the VIP tour, the, the key. Um, you know, if you're going to get the Internet anyway, uh, it's not a bad idea. And certainly, uh, as cruisers, kind of new cruisers, I think it might not, it gives you some nice opportunities. I would tell you this, Kurt, if you were already planning on buying the internet regardless, and you're going to take advantage of things like 
the the flow rider surf simulator and the rock climbing wall on board your ship then it probably would be wouldn't be a terrible value for you because you're going to get some interesting benefits out of it but if you're not interested in those kinds of things or you weren't playing in the internet then maybe not so much so and lastly, Railcoming does offer special packages for uh, honeymooners. You can actually get a uh, room decoration uh, package, essentially, where you can pre-purchase it before the cruise, and it will allow you to have Railcoming will do it all for you. They'll decorate your room, celebrate your 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 honeymoon, and there'll be special sign on the door and streamers in the room and pillowcases, and it's kind of a nice touch, you know, if you want to be able to celebrate that. Not a bad idea. We've, I've done that before. We did that on our honeymoon cruise. We've bought they also have packages for like birthdays and anniversaries we've, we've bought those in the past too so it's kind of a nice way to you know kind of maybe surprise your fiance or something like oh of course your fiance listens to this podcast then surprise <laughs> but kurt thank you so much for the email do appreciate it we got time for one more email it's from jennifer from nashville tennessee hi matt i've been listening to your podcast preparing for my honeymoon cruise another honeymooner on liberty this season april I have a question about about upcharge activities. While looking at the old cruise compass, I saw that Vintages has a wine tasting for an upcharge. I love wine, but my husband-to-be does not. Can he join me without paying the fee and not participate, or would he likely have to pay just to be there? Thanks for the podcast. Jennifer, great, great question. Thank you for the email. Um, in my experience, I think you'd be probably fine. I mean, I can't answer this question definitively for you, Jennifer. But as an ex- as an example, Jennifer, when, we, when I did the um, sushi-making class on Brilliance of the Seas... The staff was very adamant about, oh, yeah, you're, you know, other people who just want to watch, more than happy to do that. Obviously, your husband can't drink anything while there, but he can certainly watch or take photos of you or just be in the same room and, you know, that way you don't have to be apart. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think that's a great idea. And I, I would not imagine that'd be a problem. Certainly, Jennifer, if you wanted to wait to book it on board and just confirm that, wouldn't be a bad idea. But I would say that even if you did book it now, and you get on board the ship, and they're, like, and they're very stringent about it for some reason. You could probably, you, I mean, probably, you, I'm sure you could cancel it and get the money back as on board credit. But I would be pretty surprised, Jennifer, if they wouldn't allow your husband to do that. Just in my experience, they're they're pretty easygoing about these kinds of things. And at the end of the day, they want you to be there and they want your money uh, for that program. So I, I can't imagine it be an issue, especially if your husband just wants to watch or just be in the general area. Not to mention, vintages, by the way, is on the Royal Promenade. And so there's nothing really to stop your husband from just literally standing on the promenade and looking in and seeing everything without actually being there. So it's not like you're in a enclosed space uh, in some deep, dark room hidden. You know, it's not like that at all. So it's, it'd be pretty hard for your husband not to uh, not to be able to view what's going on, quite frankly. So, yeah, I say go for it. There you go. All right. And that will wrap up this email segment and, of course, this episode of the Royal Korean Blog Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.